The following episode contains mentions of rape, murder, pedophilia, extreme gore, kidnapping, self-harm, guns, drugs, and domestic abuse. Viewer discretion is advice. Witches and bitches. Hey, Valak. Hi, Mundo. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of uh, Witches and Bitches. Uh, today we have part two of uh, the Richard Ramirez case. Um, I know you guys have been waiting for this one for a week. Sorry we made you wait so long. But, I mean, you know, this is our second time recording this because technical issues. But anyways, hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How, uh, how how do you feel? How, you I'm, I'm actually really excited. To Honestly, me, me too. It's a, it's, it's a good episode today. Uh, mm. And, okay, so... I guess we should get into it now. Uh, so the last episode we left off with the, I don't remember what murder it was, but it was the last one. <laughs> Basically the um, episode ended and I told you guys I was going to tell you all about how we were going to uh, tell you how he got caught and all that in this episode. So here it goes. Um, yeah, we've been, listen, it's been a rough time coming up with this episode. So. It really has been. <laughs> struggling. We were trying to do everything all day. <laughs> It's it's been it's been a it's been a it's been a hassle to say the least. Oh, we okay. So we ended off on the lady that he made swear to Satan. Okay, well, I also I'd like to mention that in this episode, there I'm kind of gonna gloss over uh, some of the things we talked about last week. So sorry if it seems a little repetitive. I just want to make sure everybody's on the same page, and I try not to go into too much detail anyway. So it should be fine. In any case, um. So, Valak, yeah. how many murders do you think were in, happening every year in L.A.? Well, in L.A. County, not even L.A. as a whole, just the, the city of L.A., I guess. Um, I, I feel like because in L.A. there's, like, Skid Row and all that, like, realistically, like, for sh- like I thought it was going to be, like, maybe, like, 10,000 a year, maybe? Okay, well, you're a psychopath. Not yeah. 10,000 people are getting <laughs> murdered in LA. Okay, well, I mean, okay. There was 1,000 murders a year. 1,000 a, a murders a year in the summer of 1985. They, were, they had been having a, around 1,000 murders every year. And they're mostly all unsolved. So if this should really paint the picture to you guys uh, of what the climate was like when all of uh, when all of the things when all of these things were happening at the time, uh, the reason it took so long to catch him is because they had never really encountered anyone like that. Uh, and I mean, a thousand murders a year. The homicide department had like twenty people in it. So yeah, that's really really low, especially like comparing it to today. How like that difference of a number is a lot, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Yeah, nowadays it's a lot smaller, and we have a lot more information because of cameras and things. It's easier to catch someone nowadays than it was back in 1985. But, I mean, it's a crazy story, guys. You're going to want to get a snack for this one. Really pay attention to this because it's fucking crazy. Anyways, let's let's get into it. So, yeah. Yeah, wait, hold on. Make sure... Like, you guys really take in those warnings at the beginning, like, into account. Like, because it's, like, now we're getting into, like, really grimy, dirty stuff. Yes. Uh, th- I mean, 
they both episodes are shitty, but th- this one it has more, a lot more details of things. The last one we kind of just glossed over the main idea of things, but here I'm actually going to talk about how he got caught and the specific evidence that they used. So there's, I mean, yeah, the warnings there for a reason. So you know, just kind of be warned, I guess. Anyways, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, 1985. That's when the Dale Okasaki murder, the first one they attributed to him, even though we already talked about it last episode, that it wasn't the first one or whatever. Uh, I don't know if that made yeah. it into the cut. But that's the first yeah. documented murder. Yeah, that's the first one we we for sure know about, but people yeah. uh, assume, or people say that it's been there's been a couple, and you know there probably has been. Uh, anyways, <laughs> yeah, so the, the Dale Okasaki case, that one specifically, the the main piece of evidence they found in that one, that was a good case for the for the police because he left a lot of evidence in that one. Even though it wasn't necessarily the most substantial evidence, there were a lot of things that were kind of cluing into who Richard was as a person. Uh, they that's where the famous ACDC cap that you guys saw in the last uh, album cover, or not album, album cover. cover. Podcast episode cover. cover. Every, episode cover, yeah. <laughs> um, that's that's where that came from. In the in the documentary they talk about how they he they have the lady a lady that saw him go into a thrift store and get the and the hat and then they that's when they cut into the the first murder because that same cap that uh in in the Netflix documentary, which I have to say has been my one not my only source, but my main source while writing what I'm gonna talk about this episode because it just has really good information being told from the people that were there at the time so that that's what I, I I liked it because of that uh but yeah so we we talked about it last time but I think um reading more about it I think we got the the order wrong the so he was waiting for uh Maria had just came back from the the store he had just bought a couple days before was found in the uh, at the murder of uh at the Residents of Dale Okazaki and uh, Maria Hernandez. The gr- for she went grocery shopping, and she opened the garage, and Richard was already inside the garage, just kind of hiding. When she was like going going to go into the house, uh, he came up behind her and he made a noise, so she would turn around and see him. When she turned around, he shot her, but because he had she had uh, the keys that she was gonna open the door with in her hand. The bullet reflected, and she didn't die. She then ran away, and a, a couple minutes later, she heard a gunshot, uh, which is the gunshot that killed uh, Dale Okazaki. Yeah. And so she became concerned because Dale was her roommate. So she ran back uh, through the front to like the main door because she was expecting Richard to go like out through the garage again because that's the way he came in. And they met at the door. They, they were both shocked to see each other, and she just goes, you already shot me once, you don't need to shoot me again. And Richard just kind of smiled at her and walked past, which is fucking scary, but whatever. It's, uh, I wonder, because in other cases, like something that we'll get into later, like he's so aggressive with other people, and you know he knows that obviously she's going to reach out. So like what in him was like, yeah. I'll just leave her. Right? Yeah. He, you know, he was very strange about the way he did things. 
So after after uh, he met with Maria at the door, they both went their separate ways, and Richard kind of didn't go very far. He only went about a mile away before he shot another person. Forty minutes later, uh, he killed uh, Sai Lian Yu. Mm. Yeah. So after murdering Okazaki, Richard ran about a mile away and shot Sai uh, Lian Yu. After pulling her out of the car she was driving, he didn't steal the car. He didn't rob her for anything. There was just no apparent reason for this murder. And her last words, uh, as she died on the street, were "Help me, help me," which is very sad. I, and like, I feel like he shot Dale in the head at close range, and he also shot um, you in the head at close range. I mean, not in the head, in the chest. And I was just like, why does he feel the need to get so personal, too? Like, so up in their space and so just close to them? Where it's like, like look into my eyes as I do this to you, you know? Yeah. It, it's, it, it's like that. You know, people saying that they, they, were, they heard a scream as she bled out on the street, which is sad. Uh, you yeah. know? And she That's really wasn't. True. She wasn't even asking for it or doing anything that like it wasn't. It was just a act just of driving. malice. Yeah, it was just an act of malice, and uh, that's what makes Richard so scared to many people. That it, it's just relatable. You could be driving one day and someone just shoots yeah. you, you know. So, uh, the things that go, the the important things here about these two murders, they happen on the same night, and Maria didn't get killed. Maria didn't even really get hurt. She was she went to the hospital for a head injury because she fell when she got shot, but not she didn't really, you know, get severely injured or anything. And she was able to give a description uh, to a sketch artist. They have a uh, we'll post the sketches up on the Instagram so you guys can look at it. But the yeah. her sketch was very similar to uh to another sketch made by uh, the Pico Rivera police where the other murder happened, where the you murder happened. And, you know, it, it's, that's when Gail and, uh, I mean, not Gail, fucking, Gail and Frank, the, the main <laughs> investigators of the case, both uh, really kind of started to realize that it might have been one person doing these things, even though they only had one murder to go on. In in the yeah. documentary, Gil and Frank both say that that's you know they had both descriptions. They were like, okay, maybe this was the same person, and also there was uh, the same the same gun was used. They can't say specifically that it was the same gun, but it was at least the same caliber. And you know, while I mean, it was literally a mile away, so yeah, you know, and, it was and, it wasn't crazy to jump to conclusions like that. But yeah, yeah, and I feel like. In a sense, so they were really smart about it. Why? Because every other person was saying, no, this is a group of people. This pos- like, There's no way it can be one person. But like, he made it... Because it just, again, like his pattern. So unusual, which kind of leads it to it being one person. Yeah. it's. I mean, that's something I'll get more into later. But it's crazy to see the amount of people that were not... Uh, agreeing with Gil and Frank on their like yeah. up till like 
a couple murders in, people were still thinking that it was completely unrelated or anything. Ten days after the uh, the first documented murders, uh, on the 27th of March, there was a double murder out in the Witter County area. Uh, he Richard broke into the house of Vincent and Maxine Cesara uh, by stepping on like a little bucket, a container of some sort, to get in through an open restroom window. And uh, what's notable about this case is that he actually stole $40,000 worth of money and jewelry and things, which is a lot of fucking money. <laughs> and uh, I remember last episode we were talking, we were like wondering how he was getting so much money to be living on a, like staying in a hotel and eating food because he didn't yeah. fucking have a job. Uh, and so, yeah, this is, and, this is proof. Yeah. And now that I think about it, considering he stole like jewelry and all that, he could have like gone to pawn shops, could have sold it to other people and just a whole bunch of stuff. And I feel like, him taking that jewelry is really important later. Nah, you'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's really. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, okay, again, you, the warnings are there for a reason. Uh, the male was executed while he was sleeping on the couch. Uh, he just, you know, Vincent Tassaro was killed while he was sleeping on the couch. Uh, with a gunshot wound to the temple so right close range again like basically putting the gun right up to his head and shooting him Um, and again i feel like that shows how much of a coward he is why because in any case where there was a husband and a wife he would always kill the husband first because he has a power problem and he has a control problem and he's so coward and scared that he decides yeah let me kill someone who i know is stronger than i am yeah, that's a, that's a recurring team, a theme with all his uh, murders. He killing always, gets, yeah, killing the the man first, or you know, just so I don't know. He was a pussy. That's all he was, really. Yeah. Um, In short terms. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, he used the twenty two, which I mean, it's a pretty common gun, but you know, judging from the past experiences, it was like. The police kind of had a. They were starting to believe that it was one person, and as time went on, more and more people, more and more like police officers and detectives and police counties, politicians, people in general, they kind of like started to figure out that they were like the same person. Uh, so yeah. Anyways, he killed the he killed the guy while he was sleeping, and the girl, uh, the woman, the Mrs. Cesara Maxine, uh, she was found in the bed and she had several stab wounds just above the vagina he hadn't raped her he didn't rape her he just kind of stabbed her there and uh he that's the girl that we were talking about that her uh eyes got cut out so yeah yeah it's insane he was somewhat careful with his actions but at the same time he's fucking stupid because um or the police are just really good. Either way, you want to see it. But, um, yeah, basically. Yeah. The biggest piece of evidence is that he left the shoe prints at the point of entry. So, like, in his in the garden, there was a little garden under the window he went in. He left the shoe print on, like, in one of the flower beds. And mm-hmm. it was a full-sized 11 to 12 size shoe. Like, it was big. It was a big-ass foot, basically. <laughs> Which uh, makes sense. He's a tall, lanky dude. Yes, and 
they were also able to, you know, all, by the, they, they were able to uh, gather more and more little descriptions here and there, like from people that saw him and like people that like might have heard a thing or two. And the, the description was always kind of like this. Oh, you know, Mr. Bystander, what did he look like? Well, you know, he was tall, thin, uh, light-skinned, Hispanic, maybe Caucasian, disheveled uh, hair, all black clothing. Uh, he had a members-only type jacket. I remember that much. And uh, a, a brown-stained gap teeth. Uh, you know, he horrible teeth. Horrible teeth. And he smelled like a goat. You know, that's actually a quote from someone. They, they said he smelled like a goat. <laughs> like a goat. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he, it's like, it's crazy. Um, and then, you know, by this point, Frank and Gil already 100% without a doubt knew that it was one person. But the, the police yeah. office, like the police departments were still not on board with it. Uh, so, yeah. Which I feel in a sense makes sense because... And honestly, it took took them a good amount of time to realize that it was one person, because the more gruesome his crimes got, because they did get more gruesome, you could like if you sit there and think we're like, well, why would just one person do this? Like to have all these things here and all these things here, like someone could have been over there and someone could have been over there, you know? Yeah. And and since every like there was no connection with any of the families, uh. They besides like the only connection as was maybe they had a window open, but there yeah. was like he wouldn't he wasn't specifically hunting for people like other serial killers might have been, uh, like even Ted Bundy, yeah he was a opportunity killer but he would only target people that fit a certain description, like yeah the the, the people that looked like his ex basically, uh, <laughs> with Richard, yeah. while like some people say that most. Uh, he he was targeting Asian people. Uh, you could say that, but at the same time, it it also could just be that there was a lot of Asian people, or like yeah. that's like saying, oh, you know, it's he was targeting Mexican people. Well, I mean, he was also living in L.A., so a lot of people yeah. in L.A. are Mexican, or a lot of people in you know specifically in like San Francisco and all those like surrounding areas. There's a pretty strong uh, Asian community over there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, some people, it's, it's still argued, people argue that, yeah, he was targeting people or because, some people say because of the trauma that he, uh, like, all the, all the things that his uh, cousin sh- showed him in Vietnam, he was, like, traumatized and hated uh, yeah. Asian people. It's debated, you know, it could go either way. And it, um, it also could have just, because he saw so many people from Vietnam being killed. It could have just been a fascination with, like, wanting to recreate the things that he saw, you know? Yeah, it, it's it's all over the place, basically. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, here's a really good quote I have from uh, Gil, and it's a, from an old video. In my opinion, we, we have a serial killer that's responsible for kidnapping children, girls, boys, raping adult women, killing adult women, killing males, and, you know... Not many people believe that because we have never encountered anyone like that in criminal history. And yeah, up till that point, they had never, you know, when there was when they caught someone that was raping a lot of people, he was only raping a lot of people. When they caught someone that was stealing a lot, he was only stealing a lot or maybe killing one person here and there. Richard kind of just did everything. Um, He did what he felt like whatever he urged for. 
he was like, well, I know I can do it, so why not do it? Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so at, at around the time, another proof of like another piece of evidence to act this up is uh, Gil actually had a meeting with like the local uh, Los Angeles law enforcement to exchange information about like different cases. He was trying to get information about uh, the abduction of certain children because he was mm-hmm. saying that you know the child abductions were related to the murders. And the police literally like laughed at him. You know, people were like, What's they were telling him like, this didn't, this doesn't happen, and you don't have a guy that's going around violently killing people and also kidnapping children. You know, and then like the fun, like they, the, another thing that they said why he would like they wouldn't link them together is that oftentimes when he was kidnapping like young boys and girls, he'd only keep them for a certain amount of time, and then he wouldn't kill yeah. them. He'd just let them go. He'd uh, there's a story of a girl. That uh, he took her to a construction site and, uh, you know, did mean things mm-hmm. to her. And then he took her to a gas station and told her to go in and tell them to call 911 and get her back to her family. And he left. He just left her there and he left. And, uh, yeah. That, Which, um, all right, that, 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 that way, uh, they were really able to link that. It was, uh, yeah, he took a, a a girl to a construction site and he stepped on a some some cement that was drying. So he left a like a literal perfect shoe print on <laughs> the cement, and they were like, "Huh, this looks pretty similar to the other shoe." And it wasn't like a Nike sole or like an Adidas sole. It was a fucking Abia shoe, which I'll talk more yeah. about later when to more detail. But yeah, uh, I I feel like. It also, they shouldn't have, have laughed at Gil because this is undocumented. We talked about this last episode, but his first quote unquote like claimed victim is a nine year old. Yeah. So it's just like, what? I mean, yeah, but I also didn't the, know it at the time, so. Yeah, and something that you notice more and more, he goes for such vulnerable people, except he actually did kill uh, May which is the mm-hmm. nine-year-old, which is, like, and so, oh, something that we will talk about later, too, is he does have other children, victims, that aren't that documented, but we will get into them, you know? Yeah. Okay, so we're back. There was a little something that happened. Um, but as I was saying, yeah, May's his first victim, or not documented victim, but is told his first documented, uh, not documented you know what I mean? Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, the first undocumented. Yeah, undocumented. She was nine. And later on, we'll see how he he did have other children victims. And I don't understand why these aren't talked about. These these children victims, I've barely ever heard about them. Which, again, all victims should be treated equally. But I feel like if it's children it should also be talked about at least a little bit more. Why? Because it's children. Yeah. Um, there, I have something to say about that once we get later on to the case, but, you know. Anyways. Um, he, she, mm-hmm. had, uh, she was raped and beaten real bad, and she had the thumb cuffs on her fingers, and she, like, tried to, you know, she tried to, fu- she almost cut, cut, like, her thumbs apart, or not cut it. She, like, ripped she almost broke the bone because she was pulling on it so hard. 
Uh, but for yeah, for the most part, they, it was disconnected from her actual hand. Yeah, like it, it was pretty severe. Uh, she she was like, you know, trying to get away Ooh. from it, and it, it was so sad. Anyways, I can um, like feel it in my own hands, like right. I was I imagining, that. you know, you guys can't see it, but I'm sure you're probably doing the same thing I'm doing, holding my thumbs in the same position, yes. just kind of like imagining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I can like feel it like right where like your thumb like goes like what is it called? Grips. <laughs> I can yeah. feel it like right there. Ugh, it's nasty. It's not yeah. nasty. Oh, no, it is nasty because that shouldn't have happened to her. But yeah. it's, it's I don't know. It feels it, it's weird to imagine. I wouldn't want to be part of one of those. Moving on from that murder, uh, in the yeah, case yeah. of the Doyce in Monterey Park. Uh, you know, Gil was called to go to the house and when he arrived at the scene, it was so violent and destructive. More than like the, uh, like the previous ones. Uh, authorities say that the, the man, Richard, shot 66-year-old William Doy, then raped, beat, and robbed his wife. Uh, detectives say that Doy saved his wife's life by calling 911 before he died. Uh, mm. Because... And, and they found his wife badly beaten, and uh, on on her thumbs she had like hand cut like thumb cubs. I don't know if you guys know what those are. Uh, we'll post some in the in, like the, we'll post the evidence picture because that one's not bad. But yeah. Um, also, good time to plug. We have a link tree that's gonna be in the Discord server, so you can find all of our info there. Just saying. <laughs> Literally, yes. Uh, I mean, I, I said it in the last episode, and I'll have to say it again. If you don't join the Discord server, you stink a piss. So, you stink a piss. What, like, what are you doing? Do you really want to stink a piss? Yeah, you, even if you shower, you're still right. Like, you smell. Eventually, <laughs> if you if you stay long enough stinking a piss, you're gonna smell like a goat. That's what happened to Richard. Yeah. Look, look how he ended like up. You don't. Yeah. You don't want to smell like a goat. So just join the Discord server. Um. So yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Basically. If you haven't learned, you're gonna learn now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, serial kill like it's very common for a serial killer to take a thumb, take some flesh as a trophy, but to take someone's eyes mm-hmm. is like a different, like nasty. Yeah. Like, that's where, like, someone sees. That's where someone, exp- like, that's, like, I feel like the main place someone experienced memories. And I feel like, in a sense, he just took that. And was like, well, this is mine now. Yeah, and, like, tying it to the witchy part. Like, eyes are very meaningful spiritually. Um, you can see, like, just in, in, in general, in, in all the cultures, not in any Like, they, <laughs> they mean a like, lot to visual- people, so visualizing things, taking things, seeing people's actions. And it's just like all things that you could possibly choose and out of all the things that you did to that woman, why her eyes? Like literally, I, I yeah. I don't get it. But I'm not yeah. a serial killer, so of course I'm not going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd be pretty concerned if you were like I get it, but um... <laughs> I get it perfectly. Yeah, I understand it. Yeah, I Ew. 100% understand what he means. Mm. Yeah. You know. Oh, another 
okay, so the the biggest piece of evidence that they were able to get from this, because uh, he always wore gloves. He never, he never left a uh, print anywhere. Like, yeah, if he did that, he would have been caught so much sooner. Yeah. So around this time, uh, Gil got uh, approached by Montebello PD, a, a guy, one of the detectives in Montebello PD who said to him, I may have found a link that's going to help you, like, link these cases. And then he showed him a picture of the footprint taken at the child abduction. And, mm-hmm. uh, like, the, the one I was telling you guys about at the construction site, uh, this is, that was after the Doyle murder. And, you know, he, he instantly knew that it was the same shoe print. Uh, okay, so, yeah, so now they for sure, for sure knew that you know, the child abductions and the rapings and the murders and the thefts were all linked together. It was the same person doing it. Uh, yeah. Next mm. murder, he attacked a 16-year-old in Sierra Madre, uh, which Whitney is crazy. Bennett. Huh? Whitney Bennett. Yes. Um, and she's really important. She's really important, kind of, for later. Yes, this is... Okay, so, basically... She was attacked, and she says that she only remembers going to bed and that she woke up bloodied, beaten, and in, in her bedroom in disarray. She ended up with, with 42 inches of uh, lacerations and skull fractures. And there was a shoe print of blood that matched the shoe. So they were yeah. literally like, they, they knew that it was him now. He was basically, it was like if he was leaving a signature at every murder. Um... So, but at the same time, you know, it, it helped a lot to distinguish which were his murders or which were not his murders because there were, we mentioned in the last episode, the Hillside Strangler was literally killing people at the same time. And, mm-hmm. and you know, at around like, they had, they, they had a really bad streak with serial killers in the 70s in LA and in California. So, you know, everybody was super paranoid. Uh, but yeah, you got five cases in ten days where you know a sud- you know people had been stopped and and killed in the street. People had been broken like houses had been broken into. People were let, like let go. It was fucking insane. Five cases in ten days. Uh, Which, um, in the case of the other brother, you mentioned the other one that got shot in her car. I feel like. They could have thought that was the hillside strangler. Yeah, there's. I mean, he's strangling people, but yeah, but I mean, no. still murder in a similar way to him. Yeah, it's it's all crazy. Um. Uh, anyways, so here's one: the first real encounter with Richard Ramirez that the police had. Uh, I don't know exactly when this happened, but it was right after. Like, I don't know the exact date, but it was. Uh, just kidding. I skipped, like, so many paragraphs. <sighs> Hold on. <laughs> right. Okay, no, just kidding. So, after... After they were able to connect the shoe prints uh, with the kid abductions and the murders and things, uh, Gil kind of, you know, he was like, fuck it, we need to find the shoe. Go find the shoe that matches. And so he told uh, two of the investigators to go find the shoe that it matched. And they were started, they just would go into random shoe stores and until they found it. And, you know, it was, they, they found out that it was an Avia shoe and that it was not one of the 
popular ones. You know, it wasn't the basketball shoe or the coaching shoe. It was the aerobic shoe, which nobody fucking wants. I mean, if you look up a picture of the shoe now, <laughs> they're kind of cool. They're, they're not ugly, but, like, they're not Jordan. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah. But... And I feel like that has to go into play with how much money he makes because he's obviously going to buy the cheapest things possible. Just He's like, well, I need clothes on my body. So, yeah, he's probably going to do things yeah. that many people don't have. Or he doesn't care. He's just like, well, this is what I want. Literally. Um, okay, so after this, after they found out what shoe it was, uh, Gil actually flew down to Portland, Oregon. Uh, to speak with Jerry Stubblefield, the inventor of the Abbey issue. And he, you know, he gave up, uh, the, he was actually really helpful to the investigation because he knew how many shoes were made and how many shoes were imported to the, into the U.S. And since they kind of already had like a main, like an idea of uh, what they were looking for, uh, he, Gil was able to tell them what, exactly what they needed to find. And on January, they found out that on January 9th of 1985, 1,356 pairs of model 440 Avias entered the United States from Taiwan. In those 1,356, there was only six black 11 and a halfs made, uh, which is the shoe that Richard wore, uh, black Avia 440 models and a size 11 and a half. Uh, and five of those went to Arizona. And they got him and they put him in jail uh no just kidding what? actually after that <laughs> I was like, you just skipped up so much well yeah no after they found out that only one of those pairs which went to richard was shipped to la they weren't able to track it further they couldn't figure out what store it was shipped to they couldn't figure out who sold it to who they couldn't figure it. so they it was a dead end basically they just kind of it was a dead end in a way, but also it was a way for them to know that it was Richard for sure doing it. Yeah. And so, yeah. After, after this, uh, which is like, a, it's in like the hills, literally. Uh, Gardner <laughs> found them in their bedroom two days later, and their house was like ramsacked. It was fucking... Upside down, basically. He he went through everything. Uh, there's the they show the, I you know again evidence photos. If not okay, another reason why you should join the Discord not only so you don't stink a piss or a goat uh, <laughs> is because you know on Instagram we only post certain pictures. On Discord we uh, we have a you know if there's anything specific you want to know that we have or something that we talked about on the on the episode literally. Ask anyone, and uh, it'll get you. Your your question will get answered. Um, yeah. So yeah. Join again, the Discord. again, in the Discord, you can suggest anything. You can just suggest cases. You can tell us more info that we don't didn't know. Um, you, can, you It's a free land over there. You can do whatever you want. Almost it's a land of opportunity. Almost whatever you want. Just don't yeah. be an asshole. Uh, <laughs> Okay, yeah, so, yeah, they basically fucking tore up the place looking for valuables to steal, and uh, one of the sisters actually died, and the other one was in critical, 
condition. Uh, Mabel Bell and Florence Lang, both in their 80s. Uh, and there appeared to be a partial shoe print that matched the Avia shoe. So they knew that it was him. And also, this is notable because this is the first time that they saw that he was, like, writing pentagrams on places. Uh, it was on one of the victim's legs. You could, uh, So, yeah. But the, the issue here, it's, like, even... I mean, another reason why it was, like, super hard to catch them is because you could, like, literally, you could commit a crime in L.A. and be across, like... You could be in a different county in five minutes. And if you keep going five minutes further, you could be in a whole different county. And at the time, they, they weren't communicating enough for them to know that people were doing things. So most of these murders, Gil only got called because people knew that he was looking for this person. But if, yeah. they, if, if it wasn't like if there was a police department that didn't necessarily know or like if there was a failed attempt that wasn't a murder, but they still have a description, it wouldn't get back to Gil unless he kind of went and searched for it and he uh, he was also like one of the top detectives at the time i'm pretty sure uh well no at least in that area the other one uh so what what made gil special uh actually the night stalker gil case the, yeah gil is super lovely uh we actually have him on the show thank you gil. Oh, i'm just kidding that would be lovely <laughs> gil how are you gil how are you <laughs> um no, so the Night Stalker case was Gil's first case. However, he was working with Frank Salerno, who is like, at the time he, well, like, at the time he was like the guy, the guy you went to when someone was getting killed. Like, it's like, oh, he was Sherlock Holmes, basically. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Gil also did a very good job because he was able to see relationships that people weren't able to see. And uh, Gil's story is a, a very nice story. If you want to learn more about him, I don't know, fucking do some research. I don't know what to tell you. Anyways, <laughs> um, you know, you got five cases in 10 days. And at this point, there was a, an encounter. The, the first encounter with the police that the, the police had with Richard. He actually got pulled over in a stolen car. He knew he had to run. And... What he did is he got out the car and he drew a pentagram on the hood of the car and just kind of ran. He ran until they couldn't find him anymore. And yeah, at the time, yeah. they, had, they, to, uh, they told Gil and uh, they, they told Gil and, and Frank that LAPD was going to take care of fingerprinting the car yeah. and like collecting all the evidence. But um, it, it took a while. Like, basically, they never heard back from that. And eventually, like, Gil was like, what the fuck's going on? Like, and they're like, fine, you can go look at the car yourself. It's here. And they give him the address, and they go to the address, and it was stored outside in the sun in summer. Yeah, so by the time anyone got to the car, skin, everything's been, like, literally everything, valu- everything valuable in the car had, like, gone away because of the sun. Uh, so it's gone. Yeah. There's nothing there. As far That's as weird, you know. As far, yeah. I mean, well, the LA police. As much as we like to give them credit, we, you know, they're also pretty shitty most of the time. Um, but yeah, they didn't follow up in it, and they couldn't get any fingerprints out of the car. 
Uh, yeah, inside the car they found a plastic cassette case that had a business card to a dental office. It was a dentist in Chinatown, and at the time, Gil and Frank went up to go investigate and interview the dentist, and they found out that the suspect, uh, they at the time, they didn't know who he was. Like, they didn't know his name or anything, but they just kind of knew that he went to the dentist on July 3rd. And, like, it literally, like, five, six days beforehand. So if they would have found this out when they when they when the LAPD got the car, if they would have found out about this when they when they got the car, they could have caught him at the dentist. Uh, so that kind of just goes to show how much they fucked up. Uh, so, yeah, they missed him by, like, five days or something like that. I mean, imagine if you're Frank or Gil, like, the guy you've been chasing for months and you find out that you missed him because some moron forgot to take the fingerprints and check the evidence in a car. Literally. So, yeah, if they if they would have found out about it, like, a week earlier, they would have fucking caught him. Uh, and the car was written under the name of Richard Mena. He gave a... Mm. He, he and he, like, the address, everything that he... All the information that he had was kind of fake, basically. Like, he didn't leave a phone number, and... Uh, the address he gave was a, some bad address that didn't lead to anywhere. Mm. Uh, yeah. So in talking with the dentist, they were able to get like some x-rays of uh, Richard's teeth. And he took him to like a, Gil took him to a dentist that he knew, like a friend that he had that was a dentist. And he's like, yo, what can you tell me about these? And he says, well, he's got an impacted tooth. It's going to be killing him soon if it's not already. So he'll be back soon. And yeah, yep. They, they had a really strong clue that we're gonna catch him at the dentist office. So basically, here's the plan. Are you are you ready? Are you ready? This is yeah, we're ready. This is the plan of the century. Listen, mm. they're gonna put two police officers in uniform at the dentist office, waiting for him to catch, for waiting for him to come in. False. That's not what they did. Although that was the original <laughs> plan. Uh, at first, that was what they did. They fucking put him there, and they're like, yeah, if he comes in, we're just gonna arrest him. Like, no, he's not gonna come in if he sees two police officers in the fucking building that he's going into. You know? So, they changed the plan, and they got the Los Angeles Police Department to put one of their silent robbery alarms inside the office, so that when uh, Richard came in, the dentist could press the alarm. So, they put the alarm in. And the very first day that they put the alarm in, the doctor called uh, Gil out late at night. He's like, yo, what the fuck? Where were you? Like, why didn't it show up? And Richard had literally that's But the alarm yeah. that they put in didn't work. So they missed it. It's just like repeatedly all this effort and effort and effort. And it's just like, None of it is working. And again, you kept talking about this last episode, but like I feel like that shows the protection he had from, you know. Yeah. Like he always said that like Satan was protecting him or whatever. And whether you believe or not if if that's true or not, he was definitely fucking lucky. Way too lucky. Yeah. Like they missed him because of some uh some bad policing twice. Literally twice. In the same, in within the span of a week, 
<laughs> so. Which is honestly, in a sense, humiliating. Yeah. I mean, uh, trust me, the LAPD is not the most. They're freaking. I would, we could do so many episodes just talking about <laughs> the LAPD. There's so many. so many. There's so, so many. many bad things they've done in the in the in the re- not even like recent or not even like just in the recent times. Going back to the start of the LAPD and the FBI, which yeah. that's a that's an episode. That's a whole different episode that I'll do at some point. Um, but yeah, they were they were pretty fucked up. Um, there was another case in Northridge uh, North where two people had been shot. Uh, mm. This is the home of Chris and Virginia Peterson, which if I had to say, these are the two, the most baddest couple that was living in LA at the time. Because hear this, the man, uh, Richard, entered the house and went into the bedroom. He shot Virginia in the, si- in the left side of her nostril and the bullet went through her to the back of her neck. Without hitting anything vital, Holy so she shit. started fucking screaming, um, which woke up yeah. Mr. Peterson. Oh my god! Sorry, I just thought about the pain. I like mean, yeah, but imagine no, no, no. I'm telling you, they were the most badass couple because after she started screaming, uh, Mr. Peterson, uh, Chris, Chris Peterson, started to sit up, and Richard shot him. They're on the right side of the head. However, the bullet didn't go through. So he shoots the hus- he shoots the husband and he shoots the wife, and they're both shot in the head. But Chris Peterson gets out of bed and chases him out of the house. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's pretty badass. You yeah, know, I'm, <laughs> he was. You know, uh, I'm pretty sure uh, I had read somewhere that Chris uh, was a trucker. Like uh, he he used to like drive long distance trucks everywhere, so I can imagine this like six foot something guy with like a trucker ca- cap and uh, like a really thick beard. Should, like, actually, never mind. I was gonna say we should look up the video, like the victims, and then I was like, um, well, well, yeah, I thought but, about um, it for a second. Yeah, so yeah, Chris Peterson get out, got out of bed, and chased him out of the house. I mean, the killer, the the, the guy that has the gun. Yeah. And he's also been shot in the head. And he fucking chased them out of the house. Um, so, yeah. Pretty badass of both of them to survive that and, like, not give up right out, right away, I guess. I mean, I don't know what yeah. else they were supposed to do. But, um, yeah, it's crazy. The Unfortunately, the only good, like, I mean, he had just been shot in the head. Plus, it was dark. Plus, he was wearing all black. So there wasn't a good description or anything. The only thing they were able to say is that he used uh, the word bitch a lot. Which, I mean, okay. Yeah, and there's also um, footage of when they actually... I'm not sure if they caught him or if he was just a suspect. They, like, literally, have, they've never identified that. Um, but of, like, him repeating the same words that people have heard him say. And it's just, like, the way he sounds is just icky. Like, ooh. Yeah. Um, very crazy. Very crazy. Uh, after the murder of the... I mean, after the attempted murders of uh, Chris Peterson and uh, Virginia Peterson, he... Uh, Gil went onto the news and he said that he is a coward. And 
Now, Gil has said that that's something that he probably shouldn't have said. But, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't, you know, I mean, I don't blame him. Uh, what Gil didn't know is that him saying that would be on the page, on the front page of the LA Times. And also, very courteous of the LA Times. They had like a decently detailed backstory on who Gil was and pictures of him and his family. So, not the thing, not the thing you want to be posting when you're talking about a killer, you know. But whatever. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, after this, uh, Richard actually got a new gun. It was a 25 automatic, or and at the, at that time they hadn't seen like that gun be used before. So, the like, I mean, like it was a new gun for his case. So they were like, con- like they were trying to figure out like what was going on and uh they they looked at the shell casings and they saw that the the shell casing had a red primer on it uh and they actually found out that that type of ammunition wasn't being made anymore so that red primer was kind of like a like a way they could tell who was using it because there wasn't that many bullets like that out there the doy murders the one where mr doy was able to call 911 before he died they released that 911 call to the to the news and Richard heard about it so ever since all the murders after that he would either take the phones or he would cut the phone lines yeah uh, so yeah no more communication for people um okay so here's we're, we're getting to the last murder i think yeah this is yep. the last murder okay so this happened. This one happened in Diamond Bar, and that's an area in Los Angeles. Uh, he gets he's getting pretty comfortable again because at, in this murder he goes in and he shoots the husband with a gun to the temple, uh, the, that twenty five semi automatic pistol, and it's the same twenty five uh, uh, millimeter ca- uh, like ammunition that they had seen with the red primer. Uh, so yeah. The woman had been sexually assaulted and she tells, you know, she was able to tell the police afterwards that he said that this is the lady that he said, don't look at me. Don't look at me. And then she says, I swear to God, I won't. And he says, don't swear to God, swear to Satan, which is okay. I'm sure he said it exactly in that same tone. Yeah, the energy, same. The same. Exactly like that. Uh, no, he didn't sound evil or scary. He sounded like that. Literally, yeah. He was so jolly about it, too. Anyways, uh, yeah. The crime scene, it was grotesque. Uh, after he, cur- he killed the husband, he, uh, he opened the fridge and ate all the food that was in there. And then he threw it up on the kitchen floor. And then he masturbated in the living room, as you do. Oh, and also he carved a pentagram symbol onto the wall. You know. Yeah. Casual. Casual. Oh. Oh my god. I know we're connected. <laughs> literally. Okay. Yeah, uh, right. We're telepathic. We, literally. Uh, so yeah. Uh, he. So they had uh, the police at this point where they were like, you know, trying to figure it out. And uh, when they saw when they when Gil heard about this murder, the first thing he asked is like, "So tell me about the bullets." And they're like, yeah, there's a, re- a red ring of a red primer around it. And it's like, who? We got a link. Um, okay, so we're actually getting to the part that of him actually getting caught. 
And here it goes. Uh, they got a call from a female. The, the police department got a call from a female. And she said that her father was some sort of street person. That he hung out at the Grey, by the Greyhound bus station in Skid Row. And that he became friends with an individual named Rick. And that he also thinks that Rick might be the Night Stalker. Uh, so, the police sent a team, like, right away to go talk to the, uh, to the father. And eventually they told him, yeah, you know, Rick, he's from El Paso. And one of the key things that they told him was that he, Rick told him that he killed a couple. And that he had used that uh, 22 semi-automatic pistol. Now, they knew that, it, that he wasn't fucking lying because at the time, no one knew that he was using a semi, a 22 semi. They didn't know what type of gun he was using because the, the news never said any of that. And it wasn't on any, new, it wasn't on any newspapers. It wasn't on anywhere. That's how I found out that the girl's uh, uh, dad wasn't lying because he said the 22 semi-automatic pistol thing. Uh, so, yeah. And uh, he also said that him and Rick had uh, gone to Tijuana and given it to somebody. Uh, so two of the detectives actually went to Tijuana with him and they got the gun. And also uh, they recovered a big boombox or like a radio, I guess. For, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know what a boombox is, but anyways, uh, a radio. And yeah. uh, it turns yeah. out that the radio had been stolen from the Bell and Lang uh, murder. And actually, Bell, Bell's, like, their grandson brought the radio out for them. So, like, mm-hmm. I mean, but, like, like he bought the radio for the for his grandmothers, and he still had the receipt, so they were able to track it down be- with the same serial code. Uh, but, yeah, the, besides knowing that he was Rick from El Paso, they didn't know his last name. He never told them. And, but it was obvious that he was the Night Stalker. So they kind of had a name now. They knew it was Rick. Uh, or, yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, a police informant by the name of Earl Gregg uh, gave up a bracelet that he thinks might be linked with the Night Stalker case. And so he told Gil that the, he got the bracelet from his wife's uh, mother and that she lived in San Pablo. So they went to San Pablo. And they found her, and she told them that they got the bracelet from her boyfriend named Armando Rodriguez. And, you know, he got that bracelet from his friend from El Paso, who he only knows as Rick. Or who she only knows as Rick. Uh, So, yeah, like, Gil and Frank were like, holy shit, you know, we're onto something. And she also said that Rick wore a black ACDC hat and that he wore a black members only jacket and that he had bat teeth. And, you know, it was like the more and more she spoke, the more and more they knew that they were talking about the night stalker. Um, So yeah, Uh, Armando Rodriguez lived in El Sorbrante, California, and they were literally only like five minutes away. So they're like, fuck it. We're going to go. And they went and they went to the address and they stood outside the gate and until they saw that like Armando was coming out of the house. And, you know, Frank, I think, goes, listen, Armando, we need your help. Uh, we need you to help us solve pro- probably one of the biggest, most important cases in the state of California. Uh, your friend, Rick, is a very brutal killer. Uh, 
and you're going to help us find him. And now his tone changes. He's like, nah, he's not the Night Stalker. I'm not helping you at all. So they grabbed him by the neck and fucking threw him into the car, basically. And they're like, all right, they turn to him. Look, Armando, you could do yourself a big favor. Cooperate with us. We need the last name of your friend, Rick. And, like, you'll be free to go. Do you understand? Yeah. And Armando, in the most uh, Mexican fashion, goes, fuck you. And I feel like him acting the way he did just proved even more that he was a killer. Yeah. I I guess Armando either it could be seen as like either Armando like trying to cover for his friend or maybe Armando didn't know or maybe Armando knew and he was like but no Rick has always been good to me he could like never do that but you know yeah I mean it's it's it's, it's interesting to see like the psychology of all these things and the like the people that it affected and the people involved and the people nearby and all that things um because it, it, I mean, it, it very well could have been Armando being like, oh, no, I've known Rick for ages. Or not Rick, mm. Richard for ages. And, uh, and he's never been mean to me, so I don't think he could kill people. Or, like, you know, things like that. Because, I mean, we mentioned in the last episode, Richard says he was born evil. And while most of the things we've talked about have been bad things, I mean, you know, he yeah. probably, in his lifetime, he probably did a couple maybe a handful, maybe a lot of good things. We'll never know because, you know, they don't talk about, oh, he helped the old lady cross the street. They talk about, oh, he stomped on an old lady's face, you know, so. And it's also, I don't think anyone can be born evil. And that's something, you know, I'll get into in the next episode. But it's just not, it's not possible. It's really not. Yeah. Also, if you couldn't tell by now, um, this has become a three-parter because of uh, yeah. Listen, listen, listen. Unless you guys want to sit here for like two to three hours listening to the same episode. Listen, it's been it's been a rough time today. Uh, and we yeah. also another thing that happened in the time being, we we're only planning to we we're planning to do this in one episode first. And then we realized that we were talking too much and it, it went too long. Yeah. We're like, okay, two episodes is fine. However, since we decided that two episodes was fine, we have gathered a lot more things yeah, here so. and there. And so it became a three-parter. Uh, but yeah. yeah. You know, who knows? We might even re- we might release the third part before Friday because we're yeah. crazy. Ooh, because we're, I feel crazy. Like we're, we're crazy. We're wild like that. If you know um, that anyways. Good job. Oh, uh, yeah. So Armando was like, fuck you. And uh, <laughs> after Armando screams at him, uh, Gil closed his fists and, like, just like naturally, because, like, he was, like, getting stressed out, he closed his fist. And Armando goes, Oh, you want to fight? You motherfucker, tough guy. And. <laughs> Gil he fucking beat the so shit out of him. Weak. Yeah, Gil, Gil beat the shit yeah, out of him. Yeah, in conclusion, basically. he beat the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, long story short, he beat the shit out of him. Uh, so, yeah. He got the info he wanted. Yeah, at first, uh, you know, he was, like, hitting him. And then he threw his hands up and across to, like, protect his head. And he finally said it. Richard Ramirez. Richard Ramirez. So, they had a name now. Uh, they were actually... 
looking for him to leave Los Angeles once this information came out because, you know, our information at that point was that Richard Ramirez used the Greyhound bus station. Uh, or mm. not our information. There was that, that Richard Ramirez used the Greyhound bus station and that he used it to travel and that he had a, he even had a locker there, which is, like, not uncommon. Uh, which so they set also... up a surveillance out there in the Greyhound bus station uh, to, like, wait for it and to, like, show up. Which like honestly, kind of, yeah, which that information actually leads up perfectly with his arrest. So, yeah. So uh, basically, they had all the uh, the cops waiting at the Greyhound bus station. Uh, but what happened was that Richard was already out of LA. He was actually in Arizona, and he lived happily ever after. And they never saw him again. The end. Um, no, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> basically. Uh, he came back from Arizona because he he was visiting his brother out there, mm-hmm. and on a Friday evening he left on a bus to come back to LA. Uh, they were looking for Richard to come into the station, so they had most cops outside. But you know, even even though they were undercover, uh, I mean Richard could tell like who was a cop or not a cop because you know. The cops wore ugly clothing, or they were like dirty clothing, but they still had nice teeth, and they didn't smell like yeah. a goat. So you know, it, it's, yeah, it uh, just, didn't smell like him. So he was like, yeah, yeah he, he kind of knew like it, it, they were waiting for my him. people. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why I said that. Um. So yeah, basically, uh, he didn't know that. I mean, at the time, he didn't figure it out that was specifically for him but he ran away uh because he's like oh fuck there's too many cops here so he walks out onto the street and he walks down the block and goes into a liquor store and when he walks into the liquor store on the front page of every newspaper is his picture yeah and i find it funny how he didn't even notice that at first like yeah literally some time to notice because it was just like he kept noticing people looking at him and then looking away whenever he looked at them. And then a lady called him La Mator or something like that. And then that's when he realized, oh. Yeah, it, it's fucking. I mean, it was a crazy evening for him, I assume. But um, how do you know I'm a killer, huh? How do you know that? <laughs> literally. But uh, yeah, so his face was on every newspaper and he looked away. Like he looked at the picture in the newspaper and he looked like really scared according to the person there. Like the person that was yeah. working. He's like, oh shit. So he sees that and he panics and he walks out there uh, out of there real quick and he gets on a bus. The bus was going down to the Olympic City and all he had to do was make it eight miles to East Los Angeles where he had a brother there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while he was on the bus, he looks over and he sees some passenger was reading the mor- the morning paper. And Richard was kind of looking at him. And then the passenger happened to, like, look up and see that Richard was looking at him. And his eyes got real big. And he put the newspaper down. And he pulled the cord to, to stop the bus. That ha- And it just so happened that they stopped, like, right in front of a phone booth where the passenger got off. And, like called the cops while Richard got off and ran away. 
Um, and so, yeah, Richard saw him that he was calling the cops and he knew that he like was about to get caught. So he's like, fuck, I got to run. And so he ran around and people yep. were starting to like point at him and be like, yo, it's him. It's him. It's him. Uh, yeah. The guy actually like called uh, the the guy that called the phone uh, actually flagged like a, a gas truck or something like that. Yeah, a truck from a gas company and told them, yo, the killer's on that bus. Follow that bus. So they were yeah. chasing the bus because they thought that he was still there while Richard ran away. Um, but yeah, anyways, he he was being tracked by people calling in. People were seeing him and being yeah. like, yo, this dude's fucking running away. Come catch him. And um, it's also because he wasn't, like, he didn't think about what he, like, I guess probably I was just like the adrenaline rush. But, like, if you're chase, being chased down and you know you're about to get you don't run in people's backyards where people are going to be because it's summertime. Like, yeah. I mean, there was, it, like, you no know, sense in his actions right there. His, his escape was like a Mission Impossible type escape. Uh, he ran across yeah. the I-5 freeway and ran across all the lanes of the freeway while cars were speeding at him. It's fucking crazy. He was playing a frogger, basically. Uh, and he continued ro- running in the northeast direction, ending up uh, on a car on like a, he would, like found a car in a Mexican neighborhood and he like tried yeah. to steal it and it didn't work. Uh, so he tra- he like tried to carjack the guy and he uh, and he's like uh, his name is Faustino Pignon and he wrestled uh, Richard as he tried to steal the car. So Richard is like fuck. I can't, I'm, I gotta fight him. And they were fighting, and mm. uh, Faustino actually got him, like, real good. And, like, yeah. he, like, had him caught for a while, but they struggled back and forth, and then Richard couldn't get into the car, so he ran across the street, and then he turned, uh, he turned on Hubbard Street, where he went into mm. a different house, and he's like, yo, give me the keys! And, uh, his most evil-sounding <laughs> town, and he looked up at the face and saw, um, he he like looked up to like the girl that was there the wife and she was like oh shit that's the killer ah oh oh and uh and richard even screamed at her in spanish like give me the keys or i'm gonna kill you and so she like was like oh hell no so she told her boyfriend who was like also in the house because he heard the screaming he like had like was like getting out of where uh, of the room or whatever and manuel de torre uh, the most the hero in the story here. He ran out of the front, like from on the front porch, and he got a metal stick from the fence, and then he hit him in the head. He gave yeah. uh, he gave him. He says, "Then this is a quote. I gave him one by the car. The man fell. He started running away. I chased him. Give him another hit. Neighbors chased him down the street. You know, I say, my God." Yeah. That's the guy. I'm sure he said it exactly like that, by the way. Um, and, and his sons joined him, too. Yeah, they, they really beat the shit out of him for a while. Um, so the call came in. Someone called the cops. He's like, yo, possible fight. Man with a gun. That's all the cops knew. And so a police officer shows up. He's like, I could see maybe three or four people on one side of the street. And the closer I got, I could see that they were moving around they were yelling waving around screaming and i could see one person sitting on the sidewalk he said something in spanish about oh 
I'm lucky the cops are coming over, uh, or something like that. Because he knew that everybody was going to fucking kill him. Uh, the neighbors were like really bonding beating, together and beating, beating the shit them. out of him. <laughs> yeah, they, they were all in, into it. Uh, so, so they, 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 like the neighbors were really beating the shit out of him. And when the, the cops see that there's one guy holding him, like the Miguel, he has the stick, like, the metal stick already. And uh, you know, Richard could tell that he was like he had been hit a couple times. He was bleeding. Uh, because of the metal stick, he was just sitting on the sidewalk because he was tired as fuck from running everywhere. And yeah. The, when the cop got there, the cops were like, "Stand up!" And he stood up. He hand he got handcuffed, and he got put in the back of the police car. In the back of the police car, the crowd, everybody was like seeing, like watching him from the outside. All the people were like seeing into the police car, and they're like, "Yo, it's him! It's him!" It's like, "Oh my god, it's him!" And then they were like, "Fuck him!" Let's get him. That's the killer. Let's get him. And the police officer was like, "Oh shit, I gotta, gotta go." So he left. Uh, but yeah, when they got to a more stable place, and he turned around and he's like, "Yo, what have you been arrested for? Uh, have you ever been arrested before? Where's your car? Sit up. How long ago?" And Richard finally goes, "It's me. It's me." And then they ask him, "What's your name?" And he goes. I'm Richard Ramirez. And that's and... the end of this week's episode. <laughs> um, yeah. What did, what did she think about this week's episode? I liked it. I liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, this episode was a lot more on point with the straight up the facts and things because, I mean, this, just, this is one of the most well-documented cases about serial killers there are. And he just, he was able to, you know, really do a lot of things without getting caught. Even though he was leaving evidence everywhere. Like, every everything he did was basically Literally. a piece of evidence at that point. Literally, uh, like, full vomit out of his own organs. And they're like, well. well. <laughs> yeah. He, he was but it, it was psycho. also the 80s. They didn't really have, like, a whole bunch of DNA things and all that at the time. True. I mean, it was crazy. It was a perfect storm of shit to happen for for it all to you know go down. Like the perfect, way it did. perfect timing for him. Yeah, like a, yeah, a perfect storm and of bad things that had to happen. Plus, all the murders that had already happened in the eighties before around the same area, ones that were currently ha- like it literally worked in perfect play for him. Yeah. Um. So. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Witches and Bitches. Um, if you made it this far, please just <laughs> listen. I love you. Thanks. You mean the world to me. Yeah. We we mm-hmm. we will have that third episode out properly on time. <laughs> it will, yes. There will be no difficulties that day. We Everything will be prepared. This is kind of... I feel like it's going to be a shorter episode, more sporadic. Um, but... It'll be done. I know this is taking a little bit of time, but it's 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 worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I promise. We only go up from here. So, thank you guys for yeah. listening. Uh, be sure to check out the description of the episode for, you know, the survey uh, that we're gonna put the, the the Google Docs survey. If we if you were to go fill that out, that would help us out so we could get yeah. better at doing this. 
Um, and also join the Discord so you don't stink like a goat because I'm telling you, after a couple of weeks of stinking like piss, you gain yeah, that goat yeah. smell. And then Richard, he was a good boy, and then he gained the goat smell. And look at yeah, how man. he ended up. You don't want that to happen to you. So join the Discord. Come on, dog. Um, <laughs> Come on, dog. Come on, dog. <laughs> yeah. Listen, what are you doing? Join the Discord. Also, follow us on Instagram, uh, which yeah. is dot. Freaking interact with us. Interacting with you guys is so fun. Please interact with us. Talk about whatever you want. Talk about whatever cases you want. We will talk with you about it and we will listen to you. Also, yes, another thing I wanted to mention, and uh, this, uh, Marsh, if you're listening to this, this one's for you, babe. Uh, he's one of the. Uh, if, well, if you were, you know, if you were in the Discord, <laughs> you'd, you'd figure out who he is. Uh, he's one of the mods yeah. there, or one of the admins, I think. Uh, anyways, you didn't even know you were had, <laughs> Shut up. Well, me and him had talked about this earlier, and we, uh, I feel like it's a good place to plug this because I want more people to join so we can actually do it. Uh, we're gonna be hosting mafia games in the Discord. So if you don't know what mafia is, it's a very fun uh, little. I don't know. It's yeah, not mafia a team-based like, game. It, it's it's a it's a people game. It's it's fun. So yeah. join in. Uh, it literally costs you nothing and you'll enjoy it and you don't have to be super active you just have to have your phone and or where you have to be on discord every once in a while but you'll be fine join the discord it'll be fun we're gonna have movie nights and we're gonna like the more people that join we're gonna add more stuff just so that it's more fun for y'all and and for us why because again as I said we enjoy talking to y'all and we want to interact with y'all and hear what cases you want to learn about, what you want to hear about. And yeah, I sound like a rapper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Um, it, it's going to be a party once you guys all join in. So please yeah. check that out. Uh, again, thank you guys for listening. Oh, fuck, I joined a... a... Uh, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. And uh, uh, stay safe. Don't do any bad things I wouldn't do myself. You know, everything in its right place. Uh do as you will, whatever. One, 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 one. Yeah, but oh yeah, this angel numbers, angel numbers, angel numbers. Oh, we're sending good energy your way. We love you. Thank you for listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye, bye, guys. Thank you. Mwah. Mwah. Witches and bitches. Hi, Valak. Hi, Mundo. And also, hi, Natalie. Thank you for being part of the Discord server. Uh, Natalie, you know, each week we're going to be shouting out a person in the Discord server. So this week, it's Natalie's turn. Uh, Natalie, she's 18. Uh, her pronouns are she, they, or they, them. I don't know. It's okay to not know. We'll figure it out along. Uh, so, and uh, she says that her hobbies are, uh, I'm going to be honest. I have no idea. I just listen to a lot of music and play a bunch of Minecraft with, uh, so I mean relatable okay sure uh, they like my girlfriend and music good to know and they They're also dislike in person interactions so I mean uh, we would give you some advice but honestly I can say that you don't stink a piss anymore so you don't gotta be you gotta be more confident in yourself uh, so now that you don't stink a piss go out there and have the best in person interactions you can uh, so yeah. Live your life, bestie. Join the Discord server, and maybe next week we'll shout you out. All right, thank you guys. I'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>